usually that's the North Carolina Tar Heels. Slipping and injured is Zion Williamson. Back the other way, a layup for Cam Johnson. And 36 seconds into the game, Zion Williamson is down. He blew through his shoe. Yeah. Look at his wow. look at his left shoe. He blew completely through the shoe. It's time for today's episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast with your host, inventor of the post-it note and America's college recruiting guru, Dan Tudor. Hey, Coach. Welcome to the podcast. This is Dan Tudor. Thank you for listening. It's going to be an interesting one today, kind of a last-minute podcast. This was not in the plan, but sometimes events happen, and you want to address them. And... When you live, like I do, 10 miles from the campus of the University of North Carolina in beautiful Chapel Hill, North Carolina, um, you know, they take basketball fairly seriously here. And um, as I record this, this is the day after the Duke-UNC basketball game, uh, which gained a little bit of probably uh, legendary status in that series because... The Duke star Zion Williamson uh, had a basically a, a shoe disaster uh, within the first minute of the game. Uh, that probably, if you're a basketball fan, you have seen the highlights or the lowlights. I guess if you're a Duke fan, this is the the lowlights. And what happened was uh, Zion Williamson, who is a just a fantastic ball player um, and a uh, just a, a is just a big athlete, powerful, big basketball player, made a cut or attempted to, um, kind of slid on the court, his legs went out from under him, and under all that pressure and uh, all of the, the force generated from his athletic frame going the other direction, his shoe blew out. It literally, this Nike shoe fell apart, and the internet went wild <laughs> um, with with pictures of the shoe, with opinions about the shoe. It caused all sorts of backlash against Nike. It forced Nike to address the shoe issue. Um, Just this one little incident from a basketball game changed the, the trajectory, at least temporarily, of this massive brand that is Nike. And I wanted to address it to you as a coach at the college level because I think this has some direct applications to recruiting. And we talk all the time about creating a story and telling your story and what does that mean exactly and how do you do it the best and how does it associate in you building a brand, whether you're at a big school at a very high-profile program or you're at a small school and you're trying to build a program. I think the elements are the same. So what I wanted to do today was take this incident, which you are probably familiar with. You probably have at least seen the highlight of Zion Williamson um, blowing out his shoe. And fortunately, he only looks like he only has a mild sprain to his knee. There's no serious injury. Uh, so thank goodness for that because he's just so fun to watch and an incredible athlete and basketball player. But since it happened, I want to address it because, like I just mentioned, it has some direct applications, I feel, to the job that you need to do as a recruiter. And as I make this case fairly often, that you as a college coach 
and a recruiter are also a professional salesperson. That is your job is sales. You are selling, you're creating a message, you are trying to sell that message to your recruits. And that involves branding, branding yourself, your program, your program, and uh, and getting them to buy into that. So I wanted to to just take away after reading a lot on the internet over the last uh, few hours uh, and and just getting a feel for how this is playing out and how Nike is reacting and what people automatically assume and think and just human nature takes over when there is this unexpected event. Uh, and and I wanted to to go over my observations about branding, storytelling, especially when something unexpected uh, or even negative happens uh, to you in your program. And we're going to use the Zion Williamson Nike shoe incident as the basis for all this. So I came up with six points, six observation points that I have been sort of taking in as I've read all of these different takes on this incident. So here it goes. And I, I, I think this will, again, have direct application to all of you in your daily recruiting, wherever you're at in building a program or maintaining the status of a program. The first thing that I would say, Coach, is that brands are fragile. Brands are fragile. You think about Nike and the uh, just the 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 international fame that they have as a brand, uh, a reliable brand as well. And you see how something like this can instantly cause us as the public to question that brand. Now, you think about all of the shoes that Nike produces that are worn not only around the country or just in basketball, but around the world in all of these different sports. Take all those shoes and all of the cuts made and all of the the force put on them by all of these different athletes around the country that are around the world that are wearing their their products, their shoes. How many of them have that catastrophic failure like that Nike shoe did um, as uh, it was you know struggling between maintaining the grip on the floor and um, resisting the force of a uh, just a big frame uh, that that was that was wearing it. Um, it's it's interesting because we negatively associate an incident with a brand, even though we ignore all of the other millions of positive incidents, all of the cuts, all of the moves that were successfully made wearing a Nike shoe that um, that are uh, that that go off without a hitch that they perform exactly like they do and yet it's this one instance that causes uh, questions it causes doubt Nike's stock price uh, today has taken a big hit why because of all the negative publicity has their product changed all of a sudden has the the veil been lifted up and we've found out that Nike is some sort of fraud no of course not because like i said day in day out in most instances all of their products perform flawlessly as do most products but you get the one that uh, is is unreliable or the one defect and that's what typically gets gets the focus take it outside of Nike take it outside of athletics um, the hotel that gets, you know, a series of five-star reviews, and then the one-star review that you tend to focus on if you're looking at 
Hotels.com or Yelp or any other rating site, Google, we look at ratings so much now. And we, we tend to focus as humans on the negative experience, not the other 32 five-star experiences, but the one one-star. What happened there? Why did they hate it so much? And then, will that happen to me? Should I call into question the reliability of this, of this, uh, this hotel? Studies have also been done that um, a negative review that comes in first, and then there's 31 other positive reviews after that, five-star reviews, you tend to to not focus as much on the one-star review. If that one-star review happens after the 31 five-star reviews and it's the most recent, you tend to give it more credibility. Why? Because it's closer to the time where you're thinking of taking uh, that, uh, associating with that brand, going to that hotel, buying that shoe. And it, it goes, again, back to this point, point number one that I want to make in this in this talk for you as a coach, that brands are very fragile. What I mean by that, Coach, and how this affects you and, and I think the direct application for you as a recruiter is that with your recruits, just because you won the conference championship two years ago, just because you are a solid coach and you've been at the program now for nine years and things have been performing at a high level, um, or if you're uh, you're taking over a program and even if it needs rebuilding, there's a lot to sell about the small school that you coach at. Whatever it is that you feel are the positives that you're building the brand around, understand it's fragile. It can change instantly. And so to prevent that, you always have to be re- reestablishing, selling the brand and explaining why that is a brand that that athlete, that parent, should want to be associated with. That's point number one. And it goes directly into brand, uh, into point number two about brands. And that is this, brands are always in flux. Brands are always in flux. Coach, your brand at your school with your program and how kids and parents look at you as a coach as you're recruiting them, it is always changing. We like to think of recruiting, I think, as this static thing We like to think that people keep an open mind and they make their decision in the end. They're going to listen to what we say. They're going to come on the campus visit. They're going to do everything with an open mind. And then at the end, they're going to make their judgment call and they'll choose you or choose somebody else. Coach, that is that that cannot be further from the truth. We don't keep an open mind about much of anything. Take recruiting out of it just when it comes to uh, changing our mind on the kind of shoe that we wear or who we vote for or where we want to live or the type of car that we drive, where we vacation, all of those things, we have our favorite places, we have our favorite way of doing things, and we so we aren't good at keeping an open mind. Um, and And through this recruiting process, because of that, we are always in flux, even if we are tempted to look at your school as as maybe parents, as a recruit, and you've shown interest and you've done it the right way, you're communicating with me in an interesting way, and I'm intrigued, but even while I'm intrigued, I'm trying to define you and I'm trying to figure out how does this fit into my current worldview because you know what? I'm not going to usually change my worldview just for you, coach. I'm not going to suspend that unless you just do a fantastic job of telling me a story that I can't resist about your program. I'm usually 
going to fit whatever you're telling me within my worldview. And that means everything is always in flux. So the next time I go to a store, and if I'm an athlete, uh, whether it's a weekend warrior athlete or if I am involved in college or high school athletics, and I'm looking at shoes, um, when I look at that Nike basketball shoe, I'm probably going to have some question marks automatically pop into my head thinking what? Hey, is what happened to Zion Williamson, is that going to happen to me? Am I going to sprain my knee when I go out and I try to make that cut? And maybe that causes you to look at another brand. And again, my point is things are always in flux. The brand that you're trying to build is always in flux, not because necessarily that the quality does indeed change, but it's based on my perception. So all of this talk that we ever that we do around branding for a college coach, storytelling that a college coach takes part in, it's not that you have total control over how that message is received. In fact, you have very little control. Their perception is what keeps it in flux. Their perception is what requires you to constantly be reinforcing your story. You have to assume, coach, please listen to me here. You have to assume that they are taking a negative view of your brand, of your school, of you as a coach, even though they're telling you nice things and they're being polite and they're saying, yeah, coach, you're in my top five. I'm really interested. I'm going to come back to campus. Yes, I want to keep talking to you. All those things that while they're telling you that in a very positive way, from their perception, could be that they aren't serious about you, that they do have deep questions that they're not revealing. Because of my perception as the athlete of who you are as a program, are you at the right division level, the right area of the country, your record, the facility you play in, whatever it is that I'm measuring you on, that perception causes brands to always be in flux. Coach, that's why you see Bud Light and Hotels.com, Travago, um, Laundry Detergent, every, every brand, Nike, every brand, even the successful ones who have very consistent sales, what do they have to do? They have to buy more airtime. They have to retell, retell, retell their story over and over and over again. Why? Because we as consumers are always doubting ourselves, our decision-making, and am I getting the best product? Is that the best website to go to? Is Nike the best shoe to wear? Everything is always in flux. So for you as a recruiter, this is why we talk so often about consistency and the value of consistent storytelling because the same way that we make buying decisions in the consumer world is the way that we find athletes and the parents of those athletes that you're recruiting making their buying decisions in their recruiting world. First two points are done. Let me get to point number three. It is imperative that at all times, you as the coach defend your brand. Coach, defend your brand. That's what Nike has had to do through this. Um, I would even say, I think they're being a little too passive in defending their brand, at least as I record this podcast. They're they're sort of taking a very politically correct approach, saying they're going to look into the incident, they're going to review things, and of course the safety of athletes is first and foremost in their mind. So you're getting a very corporate way of defending the brand. 
Um, and, and in their defense, Nike has some leeway. They have such a history of success. They have such an athletic reputation within you know, college and pro and high school sports that they may not need to come out and be defensive uh, all that aggressively. Coach, you, most of you anyway, don't work at a school that has that kind of branding. And what I want you to do is whenever there is any question about your brand, I want you to aggressively and confidently and enthusiastically sell it as a positive. So for instance, you're in a facility that's 20 years old and your most of your conference has newer, better, upgraded or brand new facilities and your recruits are coming to visit your facility. By facility, that could be a field, arena, locker room, weight room, some area that your athlete is going to say, as a competitor, I'm going to be in this space. And you as a coach see what you have and you've now been to other campuses on a regular basis and you see what your competition has or they talk about it with you at their at your coach's conference. And now you have to bring the athlete to your older facility. Well, you know what, coach, you can't change that right now. That's the facility you have. You have to be successful with that facility. How are you going to defend the brand? What kind of body language is your recruit going to see from you when you go and show them that facility when they're on their campus visit? What kind of tone of voice are you using? What are you saying about it? Are you saying things about it apologetically? Um, a little bit of shame involved with, with, um, with telling that story and defending the brand? Or are you confident? Are you deflecting that particular one potential negative of your brand by talking about the other positives and why those things are more important than, for instance, a facility. Coach, no one else is going to defend your brand for you outwardly to your recruits. Your recruits are looking to you to say, here's why you should want to play here. Here's why you should want to play and go to school for me here at, at our campus. And, and beyond that, Here's why this is not something that you should base your college decision on if it's a negative. Uh, throughout this podcast, you can look up episodes if you're a subscriber on iTunes or Google or Stitcher. You can look up past episodes where we talk about answering objections and the value of telling a story. And so much of it involves us getting past objections and being able to answer objections. Well, you know what? A lot of our brand decisions whether it's athletically or the type of shoe that we wear or who we vote for or where we stay, the type of hotel that we stay at, all of that is revolving around a story and us overcoming objections that we had about that brand at one time and saying, you know what, I'm good with it, that's my brand, that's my team, that's my shoe, that's who I'm gonna vote for. We do that on a regular basis. Part of the reason why is because those brands have done an excellent job of defending themselves against your doubts and answering those questions directly, not being afraid of the conversation. Are you doing the same thing, coach? Or right now as you listen to this, with your recruits that you're trying to close in this current class or you're beginning to develop relationships with in the next class, have you apologized for your brand at all? Do you seem a little ashamed about it? Worse, have you not even brought it up? Have you not talked about something that could be perceived as a negative? And before you have to try to change their mind about it, get out in front 
and try to establish, here's why you shouldn't be concerned about this. Here's why this is actually a plus. Um, I remember in, the, in a recent workshop we did, we were dealing with the school with a, a, a pretty stark negative, um, at least as a recruit could potentially see it. And we won't get into the details of what it is because whenever we go on, on campuses and we do our workshops with an athletic department um, and with those coaches and we get to work with them closely, uh, that all stays within that school. So I don't even want to come close to giving up what that school was struggling with. But a lot of the coaches, and this was the problem uh, at the at, within this department, a lot of a co- the coaches were avoiding the conversation altogether. They weren't even bringing it up. And what we knew from the focus group research that we did at that school, that was something that was getting talked a lot about among the athletes and their parents who were considering coming to that school. In other words, even though that school hadn't talked about that negative, that coach had hit it, look, <laughs> the athletes, are they're finding out about what the negatives are. Other coaches are creating doubt of your program. They're the ones that are, are in some cases, negative recruiting you. And I don't advise that. I don't think it works long-term. But from a short-term standpoint, it sure makes me doubt the program that you have. So what have you done recently with that prospect you really want? to defend the brand, to get out in front and define the brand as something maybe other than what the typical athlete would see. That brings me to point number four. Own your brand and tell the story. Own your brand, coach, and tell the story of that brand, of your program, of you as a coach, of the school. Own it. What I mean own it, uh, what I mean by that is if there's a negative, that goes with it. If there are things that are are positives that have been changes, absolutely those get incorporated into the story. But you have to tell the complete story. You have to tell the whole thing. It can't be a partial story. So how do you own the brand? Well, that means that going back to that facility you may have that you may not like and that you feel isn't as good as the uh, the other schools that, that recruit is considering, It is your responsibility, coach, to embrace it and to define it and to spend time showing it to them. The more time, I think proportionally, that you spend in a crappy weight room or in a small locker room or in a facility that's a little outdated compared to your competitors, I think it's good. Proportionally, the more time you spend in there, I think the higher the rate of closure and and of the ability to get that athlete to your campus um, and to get them to commit that you have. So in other words, it, it's it's um, a little bit counterintuitive. The more time you spend in a place on campus that might not be a positive, the more time you spend talking about a topic for your program that isn't comfortable, like those five straight losing seasons you've had that you're trying to build beyond, you have to talk about it. You have to explain it. You have to own that part of your brand and tell the story. So are you doing that? Is it something that you that you regularly incorporate into the way that you recruit is bring up something that could be a tough topic to address, but you know what? You know they're probably thinking it. So if they're thinking it, shouldn't you be talking about it? Or, coach, do you want your competitor to talk about it and define it for you? I know what the answer is for me if I were coaching at your school. 
I would want to be the one to define it. I don't want to have my competitor have the chance of defining it because to the extent I think I might be a little bit negative about our facility that is 20 years old, I know the competitor at the other school is going to absolutely trash it. And if I haven't defined it before he or she has, they win. So own your story and tell them that story. Two more quick points from this whole Zion Williamson Nike shoe blowout incident. Um, as, as consumers, and I'm going to speak as your recruit and as the parents, we want an explanation for the visual. We want, as consumers, as, your, as the parents of your recruits, as your recruits, we're looking for an explanation for the visual. The thing that made this Nike shoe story so powerful was that the TV cameras got a really good angle of it happening, and it was kind of stark visually. You don't usually see um, tennis shoes just sort of disintegrate in front of your eyes, but because of slow motion replay and where he was on the court and the visual behind it, uh, it made for a pretty powerful image that, um, that we needed an explanation for. So imagine if Zion Williamson had gone down and um, and the same sort of shoe problem was there, but we didn't see it actually. For whatever reason, maybe it was hidden. Maybe he went down and covered his foot and then you know, sort of jogged back to the bench, and we didn't really get a good indication of just how badly the shoe fell apart. Um, probably it would not be the kind of story that it is. It would have been, and oh, by the way, tough break for Duke as they started this game against UNC, their big rivalry game, Zion Williamson, Going down, um, turns out we found out later it was a shoe problem um, that uh, you know his shoe gave out on him. But we never see it. Well, you know what? It's not as much of a problem then. So the the explanation is really important. When we see a visual, we make all sorts of assumptions about that visual because why? We see it. It's with our eyes. It's not a. It's not. Um, hiding anything. We, it's right there in front of us, and we think there's the explanation. There, I just saw it, so it must be real. We need you, coach, if it's that bad locker room, if it's the old arena, it's whatever it is on your campus, the neighborhood that it's in, whatever it is, the cost. I just got my, my um, uh, the package from admissions on what we're going to have to pay and the, the scholarships and the grants aid and everything that that uh, that my son, my daughter was awarded for being a student or a student athlete at that school, and it says I'm going to have to pay twenty one thousand uh, dollars, even over and above what you're giving me. And wow, that's I'm seeing it here on this letter, and it makes it more real. All the talk is done. I see it now. There's a visual to it. We want an explanation for the visual. So, coach. Two quick things that I would say are important when you're giving the explanation. Your tone of voice and your body language are really important. In other words, and sometimes we'll do training with coaches when we're on campuses or sometimes we take on a client and we begin working with them to develop their recruiting message and we know that we have to do a little extra work with that particular coaching staff on how they tell their story. And what I mean by how is from an appearance standpoint, from a and uh, a visual uh, from an audio uh, audio sound standpoint, 
this is the change that you need to make in telling the story. Um, that visual and how you're explaining it is is really critical. They're, they're, the prospects you're talking to, Coach, are looking almost as much as the way you're telling them the explanation um, as they are just listening to the actual words. What is the actual explanation? They're looking to see, do you believe that? Is it not that big of a deal to you? Okay, you seem pretty comfortable with it, so I'm I'm okay with it now. Oh, you're still going to wear Nike shoes. You're still going to play basketball, you know, with Nike. Imagine if Duke and Zion Williamson, and as I'm recording this, they haven't done this yet, but imagine if they do say, "Hey, we are complete believers in Nike." Fluke incident. Um, their stuff works great. We don't expect this to be an issue in the past. You know what? Stock price probably goes up. Every other basketball player in the country says, ah, I'm okay with Nike now because Duke's okay with Nike. That is the explanation we're looking for. For any visual, you have a bad locker room or an old facility, I need you to show it to me and tell me why that shouldn't be a big deal. I need to hear it from you, coach, and I need to see that you are confident in it. Okay, the last thing, branding point number six, that what I'm describing here is not just a big school problem. This is not just a BCS problem. This is the small NAIA softball program. This is the D3 athletic department that just had their budgets cut by 20% by the school. This is a D2 program that has not won in over a decade and you're the coach or you're on the staff and it's not looking like this recruiting class is going to be that great or you're an SEC program and you're again going to finish in the middle of the pack and how do I sell that at this SEC school? Whatever your problem is, whatever the hurdle is, understand there is a hurdle at every single school. There is a problem in every single program. Every coach has a weakness. There's a reason to say no to every single program, every single opportunity in the country. There are high-level, um, consistently uh, championship-level programs around the country in every sport at the highest level with the best facilities that have players tell, no, to tell them no all the time. So, and, and there's that, of course, is the, the case at small colleges as well. What I mean by this point, when I say that it's not just a big school problem, it means that the ability to sell yourself and to brand yourself and to tell the right story to your recruit is something that every single coach around the country needs to master. You spend, as coaches, so much time on the X's and O's and on development plans and reading materials on training techniques, on strategy, and you you listen to podcasts, you go to internet sites, you subscribe to things that cost money that you're investing in the basketball, football, softball, swimming, track and field side of your life as a coach. Can I just make the case that what we're talking about here on the recruiting side, the ability to brand effectively and tell your story effectively is certainly as important. And I would say 80% of the time, it's going to be more important. It's going to be the most important skill set that you can develop as a college coach. Why is that? Because as I point out all the time, your life as a college coach involves about 20% of your time actually getting to coach and compete in your sport, and the other 80% of the time is selling. It's recruiting. 
It's branding. It's telling your story. It's getting that recruit to come to campus. It's convincing dad to ignore the distance from home and to send his daughter to your program. It's going to your athletic director and making the case you need a bigger budget for travel. It's about everything revolving around operationally in your program involves branding and storytelling and recruiting and selling and marketing yourself. Let me just ask you, Coach, as we as we end this discussion with this point, I want to ask you a very important question. What have you done this week? Heck, what have you done in the last three months to become a better recruiter, brand ambassador, marketer, communications expert, and recruiter? What concrete ways have you invested into yourself into becoming that kind of a person? Hopefully, in some small way, this podcast and what we do at dantutor.com has played a small role in that. Okay, great. I appreciate it, and I'm hoping it's helping. How have you applied it? How have you put it to practice? And it doesn't have to be us. You can go to Amazon. You can go to your local bookstore and pick up any book on selling, any book on communication, marketing. Take it and read it. Coach, you will become smarter. You will become a better recruiter for it. It doesn't have to be this podcast. It can be anything. But the point is, what have you done to become a better recruiter? How much time are you putting in compared to the time you put in to read about the latest training techniques or the latest strategy or you know a new way to inbound um, against a press, um, a new two-minute drill in football, whatever it is, this, and that's all great, and that's the fun part of coaching. But I'm talking about this dog-eat-dog, cutthroat world of recruiting that you have chosen to be a part of. How are you building your skill sets? I hope that you are. I hope that you take it seriously because more and more in this generation of college coaching that you're involved with, you're starting to go up against coaches who are taking it seriously, who do invest time, money, and resources into becoming better, more dominant recruiters, how are you keeping pace with them? And more than that, how are you making sure you beat them? Those are six points. And again, I'll review them real quick because I want you to do just a mental checklist. How are you doing against uh, when it comes to each one of these? Uh, My point is, my six points, that brands are fragile, Brands are always in flux due to our perception, the perception of the person taking in that brand message. How are you defending your brand? How are you owning your brand and telling the story? How are you explaining your brand and maybe the visual of that that isn't so um, immediately favorable? And the last one was, uh, are you recognizing that this is not just a big school problem or a big program problem. It's with every program. Coach, think about that. A couple of resources that we can offer you. We have a blog, uh, a website uh, on our website at dantutor.com that probably 95% of it is completely free. We do hold some back for our clients and for those that are going through Tudor University, uh, the online training program that we have for recruiters on the website. We do, hold, we do hold some back, but the vast majority is free. 
you can go and look by topic at anything that makes you a smarter, better recruiter. You're listening to this podcast. That's great. Make sure you subscribe to it. Tell the other coaches in your department about it. Maybe even consider playing this at a at a coach's meeting and then talking about it as a group uh, afterwards. That could be a great, uh, a great thing to do. Um, I will mention also that every summer we have the National Collegiate Recruiting Conference for college coaches. That is where college coaches come in and share their ideas, share what's working, explain what's not working. Uh, we have speakers who are coaches, former coaches, marketing experts, authors, uh, communication experts. We have all of these fantastic people that come in and contribute their time and tell their stories. That happens every summer. You can go to our website and click on the conferences link and find out all the information about the one that's coming up. That is a great investment of your time uh, and just a very, very tiny bit of your money into developing your coaching career. And we would love to have you there and join your fellow coaches and get ideas from them and develop this network of people that you can bounce ideas off of and call when things are not working. Um, and it's just a, it's a, it's a great event. So coach, those are some, just some ideas. Uh, again, as I sit here today, the Zion Williamson Nike shoe uh, explosion story is is all over. It's what everybody's talking about in the college sports world. And I just thought there were some very immediate, very um, uh, potent examples of how that relates to your recruiting and why you need to pay serious attention to the brand and the story that you're telling because we're all looking for a definition, whether it's should I keep wearing Nike shoes and by the way, I wear K-Swiss, have for 30 years. You can look that up on the blog too. We've done stories about that. Uh, I'm a creature of habit in that way. So that, that might not, that's actually a bad example of, um, uh, of brands always being in flux. I've decided that that is my shoe brand. So um, not, nothing against Nike, but uh, um, I'm a K-Swiss guy. So, but for the, for the most part, we, we are always looking for explanations Coach, how are you explaining that to your recruits? How are you telling your brand story? If you can figure that out, you're going to be a great recruiter. And the more attention you pay to the story that you tell and the brand that you're building, uh, the better just overall college coach you're going to be. Because at the end of the day, this is about you and your staff building a program. So do it well. Take it seriously. And uh, any way that we can help, of course, we would love to. But I just want to thank you for listening uh, and, and being a part of this community. We will have more for you here on the podcast. We're always uh, bringing up more topics, getting more guests, and we thank you for listening. So that's it. Have a great one out there, Coach. And, and again, thank you for being a part of this community and listening to the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. Thank <laughs> you.